You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. I'm here. Tom's here. Aaron's here. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for new windows, 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Tell them I told you to call. More on how you can save big with Window Nation coming up. Charlie Casserly is going to join us on this show in a bit. Uh, You had a question uh, just moments ago that I suggested that you just save for the air and ask me on the air. And the question was? Well, as I was eating food off my shirt, uh, it's there, always on your shirt. There, there was a little, a couple of pieces of pretzel salt on my shirt from a soft pretzel I had that I got at Wawa on the way in this morning, uh, in, up in North Dakota where I live. And uh, I've always, always wondered because it's my favorite thing to eat ever: pretzels, Pre- pretzel, soft pretzel yeah. salt. And wait, 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 soft pretzel salt, salt. And I wondered, can you buy bags of that? And how dangerous would it be? to your health to eat bags of pretzel salt. Yeah, they they actually sell just pretzel salt. You can put it in food, you can put it you can I mean, eat the it. I mean, not the one without not anything table else. Salt, no, the big but, chunks of salt. Yeah. Of sea Don't salt. you like those? Love them. Yeah, I buy it all the time. It's available oh. in Giant. I I am seeing it. $3 right here online. Yeah, $3 okay, online. Okay, well, how how By the way, you're how right. How risky would it be? You to... are correct. You typically have more calories on your clothing than you even do in your <laughs> stomach. That's usually true about you. Um, all right. Uh, I don't, so I, 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 don't may, know. I may experiment with that. Uh, you know, let, let's hear from people. Tell me on Twitter, how dangerous would it be to start mainlining uh, pretzel salt? It would just be a straight sodium shot right to your system. I, I don't think it would. I mean, drink a lot of well, water you know, and you're considering, fine. Considering I've treated my body like a $10 hooker for the past <laughs> 40 years, I don't think it's going to make a lot of difference. Uh, yeah. you. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what big, chunky salt, sea salt, tastes great mixed with is chocolate. That's good. I love pretzels, too. I love soft pretzels. It yes. just reminds me of, of being at games. That's usually where you would get a soft pretzel but or Wawa, on a boardwalk. Wawa has the Philly type I pretzels. didn't know that. I oh, didn't know yes, that. they do. They, we don't have any Wawas down in sort of where the city folk live well, down they're, here. they're coming. They're They'll, much more out where I bet you within, the country folk live where you live. Within three years, if you're still walking the earth, They'll have Wawa I love, here. I love Wawa's. I like Sheets too. I like Royal Farms. Uh, I like all I'm, of those. I'm places. a big Sheets fan too. Uh, yeah. But Wawa has the Philly soft pretzels. All right, um, let's talk about the Redskins game Monday night. I've had now 24 hours to sort of digest everything, including a lot of things that I said on the show yesterday, including a couple of corrections that I will make shortly. But what was your take? on that Monday night massacre, uh, also a.k.a. the Drew Brees game. Yes. Because there was just a little bit on Drew Brees during the course of the game, to the point where it was annoying. Oh, it was, it was more than annoying. It was it was nauseating. But if you are the network and you have a yes. non-competitive game, what else are you going to talk about on a night like Look, that night? The, the Saints have always been a big NFL story since post-Katrina. They, yeah. they they have been well I mean, because they've won. I know, but 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 also the comeback of the city behind the team that that's that remains a big staple uh, uh, for ESPN. Plus, you had the Greg Williams situation oh, yeah, there. Yeah, you, you had Bounty cost Gate. Sean I mean, that, fran- Bounty that franchise Gate? almost fell apart. That's right. I mean, you had the, the general manager being accused of wiretapping people. You know, Tommy. Um, the funny thing about the Saints is that you know you're right. They have been a big league story going back to. 
you know, that famous Monday night game with Drew Brees following Katrina and they blocked a punt on like the first punt of the game and they blew out the Falcons and, you know, they went to a Super Bowl. They won a Super Bowl with Brees and the Saints have been over this Drew Brees, Sean Payton era of very good football team. But, you know, last year was a resurgent New Orleans franchise after being very mediocre for a few years. Yes. People forget they put, I think, back-to-back seven and nine seasons, Aaron, maybe even three straight non-playoff seasons. I know it was two non-playoff seasons. And the reason was, and this is you know, an old you know sort of NFL thing, you have to have at least some defense to be a playoff team most years. And as good as New Orleans has been offensively under Drew Brees, they had a couple of years in a row there with like Rob Ryan as the defensive oh, coordinator God, yeah. where they were just horrific defensively. But anyway, why, how did we get sidetracked on that? On well, the New we Orleans were talking story? about the Drew Brees That's game. right. And, and yeah, I mean, it got a little bit nauseating. But I, I look, I like Drew Brees. A lot because his teammates seem to like him so much. He's a likable guy. Yeah. So I, I get all that. My thoughts were, and I wrote about this in the Washington Times. You can read this, WashingtonTimes.com. Uh, I went through Jay Gruden's postgame greatest hits. Uh, you Debauchery? Know, well, yeah, starting with this one, but go, dating back to the Monday night loss to Carolina in December 2016. First of all, we were outcoached today. It's my responsibility to get these guys ready to play. This is your go-to move, and I love it. It's very effective. Well, and then there were a back, few weeks later. You go back and pull all of these old quotes to create this column, which, Tommy, it's, a, it's brilliant because so often it perfectly plays with whatever your idea in your head is to write a column. But this is one of your go-to moves for a column is old quotes. Well, because I think you're responsible for what you say. Well, you can you can have a change of opinion over the course of time. But I know yes, that, but, but here's but this, the thing. I mean, not, this, that doesn't apply here. This Go. is a track record. A couple weeks later when they lost to the Giants and missed the playoffs, uh, it's on my shoulders. We've got to do a better job – Coaching, December 2017, they lose to the Chargers. We have not been competitive. We weren't ready to play today, and that's on me. They lose to the Giants again to end the season, miss out on an 8-8 eight and eight record. We just didn't make any plays offensively. Uh, you have to have success, or you're going to have a long, a short-lived tenure. Uh, just one after another, you know, after the loss to the Colts. We had no chemistry, and it's myself as the play caller. How many times does he have to say this? Before we say you're right. Well, you know, Coach Thompson for many years would say, and I think one of the first times I heard him say it was with Spurrier, but it may have been Zorn. And he said, if you keep taking the blame, eventually they're going to believe you. Yes. <laughs> eventually they're going to actually say, yeah, you're right. Now, now what seemed to uh, uh, anger everybody was after I did all that, I, I pointed out that, you know, as much as Jay Gruden is to blame, he's not solely to blame. And at what point does he have enough of that and start pointing the finger in another direction? At whom? At the people above him, Bruce Allen and his sidekick, Danny Snyder. He's never going to do that. Because well, well, you know Bruce what? is responsible but, but, for but, uh, Bruce's but family. Jay, Jay can be a loose cannon. Jay can be a loose cannon. And, and the irritation of standing up there when your most important offensive weapon wasn't on the team until the third week of August for this roster. And you're expected to go out there and compete with an offense that is, is pretty much uh, 
shooting blanks at this point, and we'll probably continue to do that. I mean, that, that speaks to the roster construction. Uh, Chris Thompson and Jordan Reed are the crown jewels of, of, the, of the offense. Oh, yes. But you can't you, but Alex Smith can't use those jewels if he doesn't have something to relieve the pressure on him. And that's a running game. And the only running game, the, like, when we say the Redskins can't run the ball, we need to just change it to Adrian Peterson can't run the ball because they have no other running game. There's nothing. Zip. And, and their whole offense now is going to rely on a 33-year-old running back who wasn't even with the team until the third week in August. And one last thing, because I'm not done yet, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here taking notes. Uh, okay. We've talked about this, and Jay Gruden mentioned it uh, and after, after the game with New Orleans, and he mentioned it in, against Indianapolis when he said that they got punched in the mouth early. He came out after the Saints game and said, we seem to have a problem score, you know, coming from behind, which you and I have talked about. Now it's evident. If they, if, if they fall behind early in the game, they're toast. Well, they've come from behind several times, just not this year. And I mean, this year, and, but this all, offense, all, all of this offense, yeah. this year. Oh, no, no, no. This, look, I pointed this out yesterday, and I'm sure you listened to the podcast. Of course I did. This quarterback is not the last quarterback. I've tried to say that to all of you for the seven months since the trade or whatever. It's been eight months since the trade. He's not as good as the last guy. He's not the same as the last guy. Um, there are differences in both directions. You know, Alex Smith apparently, as I described yesterday, Tommy, is this world-renowned leader, you know, and the other guy wasn't because God knows he was a breath of fresh air, yes. according to the owner, <laughs> when they made a move. And, uh, you know, you heard all of the subtle digs and, and the direct digs uh, on the last guy as they propped up Alex Smith as if they had just traded for Joe Montana. And I said over and over again, beware. He's not Montana. He's not what they're making him out to be. He's a good quarterback, but you better have a damn running game. Yes. Because he has not had success without a good defense, but but specifically a good running game. But I want to just go back to something. because And then, then I want to get back into to the game a little bit more and, and tie up some loose ends. You know, during the whole last three years of franchise tagging and decisions that the franchise made not to be aggressive, not to have the vision of what Kirk could become, uh, because it, the NFL does not afford you the opportunity at the quarterback position to sort of wait until you're sure. You know, the really good franchises, they're able to identify starting quarterbacks, top half of the league, top 10 style quarterbacks, and they move quickly and swiftly to get it done. This this franchise has never moved quickly or swiftly to do anything smart. Um, so when they made the decision essentially by offering him $30 million less than the market would uh, provide to him six months later. Um, I said, look, you have the, it's, you own it. You're running it, Bruce. It's your prerogative to make these football decisions. But on this one, you will be judged and you will either die from it or you will thrive from it. And we are at the crossroads yes, of that. Yes, we are. Because if this Alex Smith trade doesn't prove to be you know, in at least perception-wise, as we go through this season, to have been the right move by the organization, Bruce is gone and Jay is gone. Lock it up. 
Both of them are out. And, and, and Jay is out because Bruce is out, and Bruce will be out because Jay's out, <laughs> because they are tied to the hip. And I don't care what kind of business executive Bruce Allen is and all the respect that people around the league have for him. Look, I've had conversations with Bruce. He is a charming, good guy. He is, and he's not dumb. They've had a lot of dumb people in the organization and still do. He's not dumb, but this is a decision. The McLuhan thing and the way that was handled, I, I know this for fact, has been sort of a rub the owner the wrong way situation. And by the way, Tommy, you know, that arbitration uh, uh, conclusion is not in yet. I know. Um, I would be surprised personally if they find the Redskins fired him uh, inappropriately or incorrectly with cause versus without. And and I think it's going to be proven that it was with cause. That's always been my feeling. Let me just just back up on that. Uh, as I understand it, uh, if they do find they fired him without cause, I think what they'll be able to do is, is Scott McLuhan will have painted a picture that he worked in an atmosphere where that was normal behavior. Yes. Well, they, he'll be able to paint a lot of other pictures yes. about it, too. But um, it, it still doesn't – It, however that comes down will not replace – or, or somehow ease the embarrassment of the way they handled it from a PR standpoint. It was truly despicable the way the team summarined him publicly with an anonymous uh, leak to the Washington Post to paint this guy out to be a wild, drinking, drunk at work and on the sidelines. That was a despicable low road. That the organization took, and by the way, if you're wondering, oh, you know, you're 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 all over them now. I was the same way on the radio when Dan Snyder and Red Zebra owned the radio station. To me, that was another indication of just how low they would go, the way they handled the McLuhan thing. And I've been told over the years, and you'll laugh at this, that this was not something that pleased the owner at all. Uh, the way that was handled. So you've got that situation, and then you have the, the the quarterback situation is the situation. If Alex Smith isn't clearly a better quarterback than what they could have gotten the last guy for two years ago at $17, 18000000 million a year, and that decision to not lock him up and to say, no, we can do better. And remember, it was also, we're going to have all this cap room by not signing Kirk. And again, I was fine with them not paying him $30 million at the end of last year. I was fine. It, you know what? The situation had become so toxic anyway. Right. It just was never going to work. And look, he didn't want to be here anyway. He looked around the building and said, why would I want to work for these people for $30 million less than a, a group that will want me and embrace me? Enough about him. But here's the point. The point is... They're on the clock, and they've been on the clock since that decision. And right now, four games into it, even though they're in first place, and the league changes week to week, and I'm not counting them out by a long shot. I'll get into that in a moment. But Bruce and Jay are on the clock. This is their final season this year in Washington. If they don't go nine or ten wins and be in the playoffs or at least have a legitimate shot at the playoffs. There's always context, like they could lose their next three games and then go on this crazy winning streak to get a, a backdoor wild card spot at eight and eight or nine and seven. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I Tommy, I I would bet big money that this is it. We have finally reached the point where the owner is not going to endorse or pay for 
Now, he would end up paying Jay because uh, of the contract extension, but they're moving in another direction at the end of this season because they're on the clock for real. And I, I, I believe that. And I think what we saw the other night in New Orleans was another one of these embarrassing situations. Forget that it was on national TV. That's irrelevant. They, they've had plenty of, of nationally, uh, they've had plenty of non-national game embarrassments over the last several years as well. If this had happened Sunday at one, if 43 to 19, it would have still been the same reaction. You would have still had the same. I don't get the whole Monday night football national TV thing other than their record sucks on Monday night. But anyway, I, I really do think that we are at that point where this is the year. If they're not in the playoffs with nine or ten wins, both of them are gone. Gone. And they will start all over. And by the way, they'll be starting all over with a quarterback they just gave a four-year yes. contract extension to. Yes. I was for the trade to bring in a legitimate top half of the league quarterback. I was not necessarily thrilled with the extension. I think you needed to see something first. I was shocked at how bad Alex Smith was the other night. Shocked. And I went back and I watched the game again yesterday, all the offensive possessions. You know, he was – do you know that – first of all, did you know that Doc was calling for Colt McCoy on the broadcast? Was he really? Cooley described Alex Smith during the game as having the yips. I heard them say – because I was driving back uh, for the first, like, quarter of the game uh, from Rehoboth. I was listening to the radio broadcast, and I heard the term happy feet. Yips. Yeah. He called it the yips. <laughs> the yips is meant can't overcome mentally the feeling that you are going to perform poorly, uh-huh. that you're going to fail. He's a veteran quarterback. There were things that were startling about this performance, and I mentioned him yesterday, but I went... Oh, we just had a little bit of a, an internet interruption there, but we're back here recording. You, you think it was the Redskins? And I, I know exactly what I was thinking when the system went down. Well, let me see if I can get you to forget. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the thing that I was saying is that I went back and watched Alex Smith, and he had the happy feet, and he didn't handle the blitz very well. But was what was really interesting is how many times, Tommy, and the yips is a pretty good word, but he also looked spooked by not understanding what was going to happen defensively. Like he couldn't figure out what New Orleans was doing. Sometimes he thought they were blitzing and he threw too early. Now, a four man rush seemed to have just as much impact as the blitz pressure had on him. It was honestly, without the, uh, all of the interceptions, it was a Nathan Peterman type of performance from him. It was one of the worst performances by a starting quarterback this year. Now, remember. Don't look at the numbers. He was brutally awful on Monday night. I don't expect it to continue because he's good. He is a good quarterback. But, man, I think even Jay probably looked at that film and said, whoa. I mean, he he, he, he was spooked. He had the yips, and that was making him inaccurate. It was making him see things that weren't there and then responding late to the things that were there. He could not keep them in a game against a team without their best defensive player in Marshawn Lattimore, who left early. Couldn't, again, I'm not going to put it back. I'm not going to bring it back to to last year's guy, but I'll just say that the offense last year, as as an offensive whole against a better defensive team, had 456 yards and 31 points in three quarters. And here, less than a year later, they couldn't. 
as Doc would say, bust a grape grape. offensively. Well, again, their big problem, one of their big problems right now, even if you believe that they have an improved defense and at least a good interior defensive line, uh, they're going to need a good defense because they're not going to put up many points this year. And again, that they, they when when you talk about the running game, you're talking about one guy, Adrian Peterson, and you're talking about a quarterback that needs a running game. He needs the weapons to be able to use the weapons. He needs to have things available to him to make the most out of the the best offensive weapons the Redskins have. I don't want to hear, though, from people who say the Redskins don't have any weapons because they don't have any really good wide receivers. Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson and Jamison Crowder and even Adrian Peterson right now are good enough to be you know, very good against a bad defensive team like New Orleans. Like, that group should have figured out a way to put 28 points up on the board and keep the game competitive and keep Drew Brees off the field occasionally uh, the other night, and they couldn't do it. To your point um, about they better be good defensively, I think they will be better at times defensively. I believe in the talent, especially in the front seven. There's a major problem in in the secondary right now from a – from a confusion we haven't and communication, even to Josh Norman we're going to get to him because we're going to talk to Charlie Casserly here momentarily, and then we'll circle back to Norman and some of the other things. But I think they will have some games where we will walk away saying, "Looks like it's a defense on the rise." But you know, those and, I, and I, I've suggested that they have a good young defense that will continue to get better. But this, that, that statistically, what we saw in the first three weeks was incredibly misleading because Arizona was a high school offense when they played him, and Green Bay had essentially a one-legged quarterback in that game whose receivers dropped four or five balls during the game. Now this week, you get a team and you know where the quarterback is a major threat as a runner. You get a team that's that'll screen you a lot, especially after they watch the, the way the Redskins handled the screen the other night. Um, but you know what, Tommy? Offensively, I think you are right to say legitimate reason to be concerned because it's not a work in progress as a, as I described it last week. That's going to take some time. What we saw the other night is what they ap- apparently are capable of on worst case, and that was frightening because they're not going to be in any games if they play at that level with the quarterback play that they put on the field. I would. We're several games away from this, but if Alex Smith goes out there and truly has the yips and has some struggles, and he's had these go stretches, ahead, say it. He's had these stretches in his career, including last Everybody year. Everybody, stop for a minute. Stop what you're doing for a minute. Everybody. I think old Colt might start warming up. <laughs> I, I'm. You know, look, you have been right about one thing over the years. Not that Colt McCoy is a starting quarterback in the league because he's not. And the Redskins would be six and ten, seven and nine, with Colts starting all sixteen. But you've been right about one thing: Jay Gruden loves Colt McCoy. Yes, he likes him a lot. And I think you know the trade for Alex Smith. Jay was fine with that. But I think Jay would have also been fine with if you give me Colt, my scheme, my system will be good enough. Meanwhile, let's draft a young quarterback. She could have done that. Yes, that was the other strategy. Yes. Uh, I mean, and so I can develop a, a, a kid from scratch. Exactly. That's what Jay would have loved. 
Uh, let me tell you about Window Nation. Window Nation's a believer in this podcast, and me and Tom, I want you to believe in them. Call Window Nation if you are in the market for new windows. Harley and Aaron are the best. Harley's a huge sports fan. I talked to him, honestly, no less than three days a week. We sat there and we broke down the Browns game uh, the other day uh, over the Ravens because he's upset that I've been sort of uh, propping the Ravens up as an AFC championship contender. Well, the Browns got him, and the Browns could easily, easily, Tommy, easily be 5-0 and on this season. Uh, but Harley and Aaron are the best. They've had my back. They've got it now in this podcast. I ask you to give them a shot. I promise you that you'll be thrilled if you call Window Nation. They'll take care of you. Halloween is this month. Thanksgiving's coming fast. We're not too far away from Christmas. Winter is coming. Now's the time to winterize your home with brand new Window Nation windows. If you call Window Nation today, you'll save 50% off all styles of windows. Plus, no down payment and no payments and no interest for one full year. But there's more. If you purchase a house of windows this week, Window Nation will pay your utility bills until your new windows are installed. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com by this Sunday. That's windownation.com or 866-90-NATION. All right, let's bring in former Redskins general manager, former Texans general manager, and our, and our friend uh, Charlie Casserly um, to talk about the NFL. But really, to start with Charlie, let's talk about what we saw on Monday night. Um, you've been a part of this NFL for a long, long time. Did we see the other night just a one-game aberration, a bad night, or did we see something that may signal – uh, what the Redskins could end up being this year. It's, it's a little bit of everything, and they've shown that in the games. Uh, the things that uh, happened the other night, first of all, uh, Alex Smith. I, I, this happened in the Indy game. Indy got to him early and affected him. And, and the same thing happened here. He was sacked twice in the first quarter, uh, hurried two other times, as I remember it. Uh, he wasn't the same guy after that. Third quarter was horrible. The fourth quarter he came back. But uh, – I mean, the feet, feet weren't set. Uh, he was missing guys that were open. Jordan Reed, as I looked at the tape, was targeted or should have been targeted four times like in the first ten minutes they had the ball. Okay, he didn't throw it to him. Um, so, to me, uh, in fact, the second play of the game, they tried to target him. He didn't go there. To me, he looked and the guy was open and he was outside the hash. He didn't throw it. So, he did not play well. Did not play well at all. He affected a lot of the things and Jay Gruden protected him in the press conference yesterday. Yes, he did. That people are saying, why aren't you targeting this guy, that guy, et cetera. He went throwing a ball to him. He got affected by the rush. The offensive line got handled, but they really are hurting at the center and left guard position. Roulier and Bergstrom, that's hurting them. Okay? And they can't solve it because that's all they got right now. On the secondary, uh, you know, Norm, Norman had a bad day at the office. Uh, the 62-yard touchdown to me was on him. The one on the goal line could have been on him, too. Uh, the one-yard touchdown pass, uh, getting benched, then allow Strowman at the game to give him a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> now, he missed time last week because of a hamstring, but uh, uh, the linebackers got exposed on a couple of passes over the middle. That's going to happen. They're not good enough. Um, they just got to play with who they have there. So uh, uh, so you see some of the weaknesses uh, that came out in the game, which could come out in, you know later on, too. So some of it showed against Indy, offensive line and, and the quarterback. So... Um, but I think this thing will go to December, um, uh, and, and they'll be still fighting for it. 
this the performance by Alex Smith, Charlie, on some levels for a lot of people was stunningly bad. Um, and you 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 touched on it, and Tommy and I have already talked about it. For all intents and purposes, he had the yips. He he seemed to really be rattled from the get go. And when they traded for him a third round pick, Kendall Fuller, and they gave him this contract extension, you know, they talked about a brush, breath of fresh air, this leader that they finally had, and a guy that's going to be steady Eddie. That was a shocking performance the other night. And you're right, he got rattled against Indy too. And I thought he got rattled a little bit in the second half against the Packers. Yeah, I don't remember the Packer part of it so much. I do. Um, I'll say this. I don't remember him ever playing. Now, did I Have I seen every game cost? I've seen a lot of his games, though. I don't ever remember him playing this bad. Okay, that's one thing. So hopefully it won't be as bad if, if he gets you know into a situation, which can happen. You get off to a slow start in the game, and you get knocked around a little bit. Um, you know, I don't remember this ever happening to the Cousins. Cousins right now is, is playing lights out in Minnesota. Uh, and he, he's got an offensive line that's really struggling. He's getting hit all over the place. And he's still, uh, you know, really playing well. And no running there. game. No running game at all. No, I didn't have any running game. That's true, you know, because of the injury there. Um, you know, I, 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 hey, it's what we saw. And all you can do is go forward and let's see how he adjusts and adapts. You know, he's tr- still figuring out that I think it was the system, the receivers, Right. You know, I think that's there's fair. an element that that's still going to happen just because it's still new to him. Yep. Um, and maybe that's part of it. You know, Jay said uh, yesterday, I believe, that they fell behind early and he wasn't he didn't understand why they really have been able. And basically, he identified this as a, as a problem for his offense. He basically said, we don't seem to have the ability to come from behind. If we fall behind early, we don't seem to have the ability to be able to score from behind. Uh, is that something that you think this offense can overcome? Do they have the weapons to do that? I think he, I think he spent the whole press conference covering for his players yesterday. Oh, the part that I saw on television. He was covering for his players. That's what he's going to do, and that's what he needs to do. Right. He, he can't tell the truth in a press conference, okay? He's got to tell the truth in front of the team and to the players, okay? So can they come from behind? Their, their problem is wide receiver. They, they can't get chunks out of the wide receiver. Um, you know, Jordan is excellent and, and could have had a big game the other night if they threw him the ball. Uh, Thompson's a good third down back, and, and Crowder's a good slot receiver. I mean, they're really good in that area, um, but they don't get uh, – it's hard for them to come from behind without chunk plays, and they're not going to really get that from the wide receiver position. So uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the way I would look at it. All right, I do want to go a little bit around the league with you. But, you know, on Gruden, and I totally agree with you, and that's what I heard. I listened to that thing yesterday, um, and I thought he was covering for everybody. But but here's the part where, you know, there's no covering to be done. We've seen it too many times during his, you know, now, you know, he's into his fifth year, where the team, whether it's off of a bye week or before a big game or a season opener, they just appear to be too loose and lack a sense of urgency. Isn't that on him? Well, you know, if, that, if that's how you interpret it, absolutely. I mean, Do you interpret it differently? Well, here's the thing. I, I, having been on the other side of it, I, I know enough to know I don't know unless I'm there. Right. Okay. And, you know, I'm looking at 32 teams, not one. 
So I, certainly I watch the Redskins more than anybody else because I have to do a little bit more on them. But I'm still spending the rest of my time concentrating on other teams and, uh, and then working on you know projects I could do during the week for NFL Network. So um, I think it's a legitimate question. But like I said, if, if I'm in the building, I have, a, I, have a, I have a feel for that thing. From the outside, it's, you know, it's certainly a good observation, though, that has to be you know, dealt with. I think it's fair what you're saying, and I totally get it. You know, we, we all tend to think we know more than we know, but your hunch is more um, uh, uh, legitimate than ours. And, and from the outside looking in, we've seen multiple occasions of this. And I said to Tommy earlier, I go, the, I would think, uh, you know, and to your point, looking from the outside in, that this year is a get-to-the-playoffs year or else. Your thoughts on that? Oh, I don't know about those things. I mean, that, 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 that's an ownership decision. I mean, I read this stuff about Jason Garrett in Dallas uh, almost every year. Uh, and, you know, at one point, I, haven't, I don't follow this as closely as I used to because my job's changed a little bit, what I do for NFL Network. Um, I knew Jason Garrett. He, Jason Garrett was going no place all those years that these people said he was getting fired because <laughs> this was Jerry's guy. And he believed in him, and this guy can work with Jerry and work within the uh, the framework of the organization, which is crucial in any place you go. Uh, Dallas is unique because Jerry's you know going to be involved, and you have to understand that. Uh, uh, but he also defers too, so you know it, it is workable. Um, the owner's the only one who knows that, and, and and you know Brian Billick got like a five year extension and was fired the same year. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I, I don't get into those things because the owner is going to wake up one day and decide what he's going to do, and, and that's what's going to happen. I mean, uh, I've seen too many coaches be told they're there and then be fired um, all in the same season. Uh, Charlie, just one thing I want to share with you. From my 25 years of covering sports, one of my rules is if things look bad from the outside looking in, they're much, much worse. <laughs> usually inside. (laughs) So let me ask you about the NFC East and the Eagles in particular. Uh, Do you see themselves straighten themselves out? They've got a big running back hole right now uh, with with injuries. Or do you think this NFC East now is pretty much up for grabs for whoever's standing at the end of the season? You know, that is the question to, to be answered. And my experience, okay, is if you're struggling, you usually struggle for the whole year. Sometimes you don't get out of it. Their problems come, first of all, that they've got no production from the wide receiver position. And Sean Jeffries, I think, has played one game. So when you got to go to defense him, who do you defense? Well, you defense the tight ends is what you have to do there. Uh, Ertz and Goddard. Uh, the running back uh, position, they miss a jai. Uh, he was kind of the, the, you know, the bell cow of the group, and everybody else was a compliment. Um, the offensive line is not playing as well. You know, there's a little age there. And maybe that's catching up to them. Defensively, I never thought their secondary was that good. And, you know, the Patriots had 500 yards against us up in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I still question their secondary. Now, the front's very good. So my point is, you can throw on them, and, it, and they're not hard to defend right now. Um, if Jeffrey can get going, uh, and I'm not sure if Wallace is hurt or not right now, but he's, he's Torrey Smith. See, he's the deep guy right. when they lost Smith. And, and that helped them. Um, so I think they're going to struggle, um, right now, which keep, which makes this thing wide open. Yeah. Charlie, you, you know, that 92 season after the 91 Super Bowl and Rip held out 
and it was a different team in 92. It made a, it made a run late and sort of backdoored into the playoffs and beat Minnesota and actually had the 49ers on the ropes at Candlestick. Um, but that year, you know, was sort of a – it was the opposite of the year before where offensively the team couldn't get – you know, wasn't stopped. And then in that first part of that season, that offense couldn't move the football and score points. You know, uh, and you don't know – I mean, and yeah, we went a month without scoring a touchdown and yet went 3-1. and one Right. So of our defense and our special teams. Uh, yeah, it's all – every year is a new year. And Belichick always says that it's a new year. And uh, it is a new year, and things don't carry over at all. They so, never do. Uh, and, and with Philly, Philly injuries have hurt Philly. Now that 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 is that has slowed them down. Tell me what you think uh, when you watch Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. First, all right. First of all, it's uh, what's today Wednesday. New England is going to beat them. Okay, that's number one. So I had to get that out because I have to do that game. So I, spent a lot of time. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, but but tell I'm us about what you see with Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes. Mahomes is legit. Um, you know, threat outside the pocket. Depending upon who he plays, depending upon who he gets compared to. You know, he, when he beats Denver, he's John Elway. Okay, but uh, uh, where the guy is good that you don't give that you may not want to think he's good is this guy can sit in the pocket and read the defense pretty good. Uh, he's got a phenomenal arm. We know he can make plays outside the pocket. Uh, he's got good anticipation. Um, you know, all those things are positive. they got great weapons. They're hard to defense. Um, Jacksonville had a good plan going in and actually executed on defense pretty good. you got to take away Hill deep, keep this guy in the pocket, okay? Concede Kelsey's going to catch balls, uh, and your front's going to handle the run. And then all that was good except Bortles turned it over five, five times. times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so defensively they played solid, but offensively they, they lost the game. So, but here's the thing, I'm getting a little ahead. Kansas City can't play defense now. No, terrible. And let me say this: Fuller is not. I don't know how good Fuller was here. I don't care what those stats say. He's struggling in Kansas City because he can't run. Okay, and that's obvious in the tape. Kansas City can't cover and they can't stop the run. They got two guys that can play: Houston and Ford uh, rushing the passer, and and that that's how they survive there. So. Mahomes legit. By the way, would you say that about Norman, that his problem now, Josh Norman, is he can't run? Well, he could never run well. True. Okay, Maybe he's a tad slower. Uh, maybe it shows up a little bit more. Um, but the book on him coming, coming here, and, and, and I get why they signed him, very competitive. Competitiveness is off the charts. That would made him a good player. See? Sure. Press corner, um, can play zone in front of him. Turn and run's a problem. Long speed's a problem. Undisciplined at times. Not a great technician. So I think some of these things have caught up with him at this point in time. He, he, he needs better technique if he's going to press. But, but you've he, he got to play to his strength, which is being physical. You call that one, though, Charlie, last week when you said he was the third best cornerback on the team. So. <laughs> well, if well you... yeah. He, you know, it, no, I, I, that's the way he was playing. Yeah. So. Well, if you had him behind Moreau, Moreau didn't play well the other night either. But I like his talent. Um, look, we no, always yeah, Moreau, Moreau. Moreau's got talent. He, he'll he'll keep getting better. Yeah, I agree. So, uh... Charlie, thanks so much. I know you got to run. We really appreciate the time as always. Good to catch up. Thank you, Charlie. All right, good to be with you, man. That was Charlie Casserly. It's always good to catch up with Charlie Casserly. That was it was good to, to hear his thoughts on 
the other night, and I think he had some of the same issues with Alex Smith. It's, it was surprising yes. how bad it was. But I think he made a really fair point, uh, and that is he's a veteran quarterback, and it shouldn't take too long to get up to speed, but it's four games into his relationship with the Redskins and Jay Gruden. I will just say this, though, and I know that this probably means nothing. That's why a lot of us just would have preferred he played more in the preseason. Yes. You know, just a little bit more in the first half of some of these games. Now, one of the things, um, Charlie, also said was about a problem that's not going to go away for them when they fall behind they can't get the chunk yardage out of out of their wide receivers. They don't have that ability. I mean, they're going to have to – the clock is going to have to run for them to score, and time is against you when you're playing from behind. All right, so the, the other thing um, I, I wanted to get to on sort of the aftermath of the other night, I mentioned to you that uh, there are a couple of things I made mistakes on on yesterday's show. The, I find that hard to believe. It's, you know, this is retraction. Um, if, uh, it's the 60-second retraction period. Uh, Alex Smith didn't throw a pick six in the game. I kept referring to it as a pick six, and many of you tweeted me, yes, that's true. It just seemed like a pick <laughs> six, that horrible interception he threw, but they got it down to the two-yard line. They ended up scoring anyway. Um, the play uh, on the interception where he turned down the receiver, it was Mo Harris, got that one. It wasn't Crowder. Um, and I mentioned that the Saints scored on eight of ten drives. I'm sorry, it was seven of nine okay. drives, which, by the way, is remarkable considering, well, they didn't Tommy. Punt. Con- they did not punt in the game. Considering that one of the drives they didn't score on uh, was the fumble that the receiver had that set up the Redskins' touchdown, and the other one was when they ran out the final ten minutes and 25 yeah. seconds of the game. <laughs> They they ran out the final 10 minutes and 25 seconds of that game on 15 plays. Uh, and mercifully, they didn't roll it up on the Redskins. I think they could have scored 60 if they had wanted to score 60 um, in that game. Uh, I also wanted to just mention this as a follow-up. Because a couple of you tweeted me what were Jordan Reed's snaps in the game because over the first few weeks of the season, I said he's not getting enough snaps. He's got to be on the field more. And even Jay Gruden admitted that, that they were working him in slowly. Well, the other night he was on the field for 39 of 61 snaps. That's 64% of them. It's not enough. You know, he is your best player. And he's healthy. Use him while he's healthy. And if you think that playing him too many snaps is going to make him more vulnerable to injury, I guess that's a good excuse. But if you're going to only have him out there for 64% of the snaps, throw him the football. Yeah. You know, especially if he's open. And, and Charlie said in his review of the game that Jordan Reed was open in the first half a few times and Alex Smith turned him down. Chris Thompson's snap count was low too. Well, again, my, my point is... If they don't have, if Alex Smith does not have the comfort of a running game, he doesn't seem to have the patience or the ability to be able to get it to his best receivers. The NFL, Tommy, I've told you this, I've tried to teach you this over the years as someone who um, understands gambling but doesn't wager like your, your partner did here for a long time and still does. It just changes every week. The minute we think we've figured something out, it changes. And here's the thing about this particular Redskins team. I know how ugly Monday night was. It was one of the worst looking losses in the last decade. Um, But they do have talent. 
They're not void of talent. This isn't a team that's get, that that looks right now like they've got no chance of winning. It feels that way in the moment, but they have the ability offensively and defensively to play much better. They've got the ability as a coaching staff to coach much better. I don't look at the other night and think we were just watching a four and twelve or five and eleven or even a six and ten team. I do think it was a bad night more than a potential signal of ugliness to come, even though I thought this would be a true measuring stick game. I think it was a really bad night. It was a bad night. Smith is the key, though. I'm telling you right now, that defense has some talent, and they're not going to face Drew Brees every week. Um, Alex Smith has to play better, and they've got to keep the ball longer, and they've got to make more first downs by making more third downs and score more points. But if Smith is the key... They don't need 28 every game. If, the, if Smith is the key, the lock is Peterson to, to be able to get in. And let me ask you this. If you don't think they're a 6-10 team, what if Adrian Peterson gets hurt and is out for the rest of the year? I, I don't put as much stock into the importance of Adrian Peterson right now as you do, and I'll tell you why. Well, because what's plan B? Well, the running game is significant this year versus the last yes. three because this quarterback has to have yes. balance. The last quarterback did not. No. And if you don't believe that, watch what he's doing in Minnesota right now. He has no balance. They have the 32nd-ranked rush attack in the NFL, the Vikings do. This quarterback needs a running game. I guess what I would say to you is that the combination of Thompson and Bibbs and P. Ryan. Oh, my n- God. They won't even give P. Ryan a uniform. <laughs> I know they won't. I'm actually a little bit surprised by that. And I saw a guy that didn't have this massive fumbling problem. He didn't have a massive fumbling problem and was getting better at the end of last year. I will say that. I said it last year about P. Ryan. I'm like, I actually think he's pretty good. Now, next year's guy should be Geis. Yes. Okay? but Coming this, off a knee injury. I would a bad be, knee injury. I would be surprised if... If if Peterson doesn't isn't healthy and can't last, yes. and, and that's even money right now. Yes, right would, now, it would exactly. I would be shocked if P. Ryan doesn't get uh, the more opportunities. Well, who else do they got? Oh, no well, kidding. Well, they like that's Bibbs. not a they big like lead. A Bibbs. They like Bibbs a lot. They're going to have to activate another running back if Peterson isn't out you there. You so, trade for Le'Veon so Bell? P. Ryan, no, I'm just saying they have no options. There's no plan B. They're a six-win team without Adrian Peterson to run the ball. I, I, the plan B... Because I can't identify it right now, although I'll try to. <laughs> this ought to be a good one. I'll try to. It doesn't. It doesn't mean, mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Just because I don't know what it is, and it doesn't mean it's going to fail. <laughs> because look, you know, here's the here's the bigger concern. No matter who the running back's been, Jay Gruden hasn't schemed up a running game going back to Cincinnati. No, no he hasn't. So that's more of a concern. But I I don't look at Adrian Peterson right now as like the only guy that can run the ball in Jay Gruden's very average run scheme. You know who's on the clock a little bit right now? Old Callahan. Old Coach Callahan. Oh, yeah. Because that offensive line doesn't look great. No. In, in pass protection in particular, Charlie Casserly just told you they got a little bit of a problem, maybe a big problem at center and guard. Um, and, you know, the, the running scheme was a Callahan thing. Oh, yeah, that's he, he's the running running yeah, coach right? In the, off- in the offensive scheme of things. Maybe he, and, you know, and the other thing is you keep saying everything changes. It's week to week and it all that. Do, it what, does. Except, I'm not wrong. Except 
We are hearing the same thing from Jay Gruden year after year after year. That hasn't changed. That's a big accept, and I would agree with you. Well, the other since accept, it's the coach, the it's o- an important one. Well, the other accept is accept that this franchise always figures <laughs> out a way to make it not week to week oh, or year to year. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear Jay Gruden say there's a cloud hanging? You've already mentioned that. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You mentioned it earlier in the show. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I did not say Jay Gruden said there was a cloud hanging. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Go back and get the tape. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. You did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I'll bet you. Well, I don't know where else I would have heard it. I don't know where you would have heard it either, but it wasn't for me. Did you hear Tom the cloud, Aaron? Uh, I definitely saw Steinberg tweeting about it, so you I don't see? know if I, I saw did. it. I guarantee you, I didn't say <laughs> it. Well, maybe because, I- because if I had, I would have reminded you that that cloud is known in the Lavero circle as the aura of self Destruction. I know what the aura of self-destruction well, is and who came up with that and shock and awe and all the others <laughs> that you've got trademarked there, RG3. But I did but, not say cloud, and I will bet you, I will double down on the on this dinner your, on the dinner I owe you. For the Redskins uh, name for, not for being changed? For the Redskins changed. name, double or nothing. Okay, you're on. Okay. You're on. I mean, it's doubling nothing, actually. Well, what do you mean? Because you, 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 you're never going to deliver well, on because, the bet that you lost. Well, because you won't go out to dinner with me. You I, won't, because you want me to come. Fifty miles north. No, we said we said <laughs> we we said the palm. Okay, uh, there's no palm in Frederick, buddy. <laughs> I guarantee you, if we took a quick delay, we would find that you mentioned the cloud earlier. Okay, we'll see. But we won't do that for right now because it'll be better to do it tomorrow when you're back. Today's a surprise appearance because you didn't want to get up to do the Tuesday show yes. that you normally did yes. do. So he, Tommy's going to be here today uh, and tomorrow. Um, I had one other thing before we get to. Uh, what you wanted to talk about, uh, and that is, oh, so you know, I, you know, that I never do, I, I very rarely do these Twitter polls. But right. last night I thought I had a good idea for a Twitter poll because I had sort of mentioned it on the show, and I said the most embarrassing loss of the last ten years. I gave three options. I could have given six or seven I saw, options. I saw, I saw the Twitter poll. I saw the options. So last night, or Monday night, was one of the uh, choices. The Monday night massacre against the Eagles was a choice. And the swinging gate game was a choice yes. against the Giants in 2009 when Jim Zorn lined up to run swinging gate and the Giants promptly called timeout. And he said, well, maybe they didn't notice. And after the timeout, he lined up to do it again and it got blown up. Um, and the, the literally Mike Tirico and I, I, Gruden and others were just laughing out loud at Jim Zorn's incompetence to run that play back to back. The Overwhelming. I, I'm, can I I'm guess? A, I'm approaching three thousand votes right now. Yeah, you can guess. Uh, the Monday Night Massacre. That was my number one. Yeah, and it was by far. Yeah, sixty-five percent. Yeah, said the Monday Night Massacre because of the context of they they that week they pre- they they tried to turn around the Donovan McNabb narrative out of the bye week from a negative. With Mike Shanahan saying he 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 didn't have the cardio to do the last two minutes in Detroit, they turned that around, or at least tried to, with, with this tremendous, extension. like hundred million dollar contract. It was extension, totally phony, baloney. which was four million dollars, yeah, basically, two, I think, or, or something like half. that. So they had they had created this storyline 
that people should feel good I mean, about going into this Monday night game because they have a quarterback for the future. So, I mean, with Jim Zorn, people were already embarrassed for the Redskins by the time that Giants game came around. Well, that, it was already an embarrassment. Yes, that's true. Yeah, and and as bad as, as Monday night was against the Saints, nobody expected them to win the game. They just didn't expect I, them. I think a lot of people around here thought that the Redskins Maybe were going to be were going to had a chance to win that game. Monday I don't know. Night. I don't know what what morons would have thought they were actually going to go to New Orleans and beat the Saints, but uh, you expected them to compete. But the Monday night massacre. I mean, that got Michael Vick paid. <laughs> it did. It was unbelievable. You know, everything you said about the context to that game is true. And then you had LaRon Landry mouthing off pregame, remembering getting into it with Deshaun Jackson. So what did the Eagles do on the first play from scrimmage? They threw over LaRon <laughs> Landry to Deshaun Jackson for a touchdown. And they scored 35 points. It was 35 to nothing one play into the second quarter. That's hard to do in the <laughs> yeah, NFL. Yes, it is. I agree. I think that the, that Monday Night Massacre, 59-28 to 28 was the final score. 59 they gave up to the Eagles. A division rival on Monday Night Football at home. That was the biggest embarrassment. The context means everything to that game. Um, swinging gate was an embarrassment, but to your point, they would also get shut out, I think, the next week to the Cowboys yeah, at I home mean, on a Monday the, the night. The embarrassment ship had sailed already on the Jim the, the What's interesting is all three of those choices all come with different coaches. They do. It's Zorn, Shanahan, and, and Jay Gruden. And Jay Gruden. Uh, the other games that people pointed out, and a lot of you, again, the runaway leader of the three choices I gave, 65% yeah. were on the uh, the Monday Night Massacre. And then it's basically swinging gate number two and Monday night's third on the list, and they're pretty close. But people brought up the Kansas City game, the snow game, um, in front of you know maybe seven people at FedEx Field. That was the morning that the story got leaked that Mike Shanahan was going to pack up his office or was planning on packing up his office after the Seattle playoff loss yes, because of a lot of things that were going on. And I love Mike. You know I do. And I, I think he's a smart guy and a certainly, at the very least, a borderline Hall of Fame coach. I agree. And I think I he came into a toxic situation. And at the end, he didn't handle it well either. Um, but that game, it was just one punt return and one kickoff return by Dexter McCluster after another in a game where, and people sent me the picture of the CBS, um, the, the CBS wide shot. No one was no there one was in there. the second I half. I was there. No one was. I was there. That was a game changer uh, in some ways for the Redskins. No, you're thinking. Oh, I'm thinking of the Kansas City game I, the again two, with, with, with Zorn. The 2009 That's right, you're right. Kansas I got them City game. You and I were doing a show together that at was that a, time. That was the game changer. Um, that was, I'll never forget being in the stadium that day. It was early in the season, too. You yeah. know, the Redskins were a 2-2 two and two football team. And they played so poorly. And the second half, people were leaving. And there was a sense that I had as a lifelong fan that had gone to so many games over the years that this was the beginning of apathy that they had screwed this thing up the owner had so many ways to sunday that this jim zorn year two thing that people now were getting to the point where they didn't care anymore which is why they had to fire him fire look that season was the season that the owner who had this yes man and vinnie serato 
that he could rely on to take the bullets for him at every turn, or at least he thought he could, he, he couldn't keep him around anymore because he only he had that was the Gibbs his his, his racquetball partner his Gibbs was the move in 04 after the Spurrier disaster right. and the move after the Zorn di- disaster was to get rid of Vinny yes. you knew you were going to get rid of Zorn and Bruce Allen came in at the end of the year Bruce Allen was hired before Shanahan yes, was, he was but remember they tried to ha- hire Shanahan right. after the previous season yeah because they knew Zorn was not a head coach they'd have been better off hiring Gracie Allen. Anyway, uh, I want to uh, reminisce for a second. Okay, do you remember sitting in in the studio at Redskins Park and looking at Zorn after they had just beaten the Lions and asking him beating the Rams, beating the Rams, and getting ready to play the winless Lions? Okay, if he thought his job was in jeopardy, I I asked him that, and this was after a win, and he looked at you like you had two heads. He wanted to kill me. Like, we just won, and you're asking me if I'm worried about my job? He had no idea what was going on. Do you remember what happened after we went to a break? First of all, Jim Zorn, he was so involved in coaching that when Tommy and I did his show live from our park studio, he would just stick around and listen to the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah. Like most Tuesdays when we did this, he would just sit around and hang out with us. Yes, but would. that when we got done and we went to a break there, he looked at me and he said, why would you ask me that question? Yeah. And I said, you know what? That's a fair question because you just got here. You've only been here for a year. But for most fans, it was the natural question because you barely beat an opponent last week and you're going to face a winless team, and all of us sort of have this sense that this is a big moment for you Sunday. Yeah. But I, but I, 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 and I said, I, it's not that I apologize, but I probably should have prepared you for that, you know, prior to that. And he just walked away, you know, like, yeah. what are these guys? They lost to the Lions in from that, that next week. The Lions ended that winless streak. It was like 19 games in a row they had lost because they had gone 0-16 the year before. And I think it was an 18 or a 19 game losing streak. They they ended the streak against Zorn's Redskins, Jason Campbell, Clinton Portis, Sellers, the whole group. And um, and from that moment on, you knew he was dead man standing heck or of walking. A, heck of a neighbor, though, right? Make a great neighbor. My, one of my favorite all time lines <laughs> from Tommy. Oh, that old Jim Zorn. He, he not much of a coach, but he'd make a heck of a neighbor because he was such a yeah, nice a guy. Very nice man. Weird. But yes. a nice guy. Do you know? I think he's coaching. You know, he's the guy who gets co- picked to coach all these obscure uh, all-star bowl games. I think he's the head coach in what's called the Polynesian Bowl. <laughs> That's not true. No, I'm serious. Really? What's the Polynesian Something Bowl? Something that that... that a bunch, a yes. Samoan thing? Jim, Jim, Zorn, Jim Zorn named head coach for the 2019 Polynesian I Bowl. I told you. <laughs> How would I make that up? Mike Bellotti is the other coach. The Oregon coach. <laughs> Oh, well. Um, and he, he had coached the NFLPA team in their college game that they do, and that's what he, he gets look, picked Look, Jim do. Zorn is a Seattle legend, a legend in Seattle. He was their first quarterback when they were an expansion team in 1976. He was this left-handed, gunslinging, running-around yeah, yeah, playmaker on some bad Seattle teams and was a lot of fun to watch yeah. as a player. Um, real quickly, I want to tell you about Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. If you are thinking about something new, 
please consider Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. And when you get there, ask for Ralph Perkins. Ralph and Kevin Farish supported Tommy and I with by by sponsoring Redskins at one for seven and a half years, and then they did Redskins at eight for another two and a half. They were with us for over a decade. They reached out when I did this podcast venture, and they said, how do you want us to help? And I said, I'd love you to buy some advertising, and, and I think it'll work, and, it, and it's working for them so far. Um, it, it wasn't just out of the goodness of their heart. I think they realized that we've got an audience here and that 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 hopefully you guys will give Farish uh, a chance. If you're thinking about something new, head out to Farish. They're located right there in Fairfax Circle. Plenty of inventory right now. Great deals on any Jeep right now, you're going to save big. You can also find out live inventory, live pricing, everything you need to know about Farish at FarishCars.com. Farish and Fairfax Circle for a great deal. FarishCars.com right now if you want to learn everything about Farish and see everything they've got right now, live inventory and live pricing. All right, so we've got our American League Championship Series, and it's Red Sox and it's Houston uh, I thought the Yankees had a chance there in the ninth last night. And yeah. I was rooting for that. I wanted to see a fifth and deciding well, game. Well, yeah, everyone loves to see Boston and New York. But, uh, look, I, th- I think Boston – I picked Boston to win uh, at the beginning of, of the playoffs. I don't feel quite as good about it because of David Price being a part of that rotation for the Red Sox. He seems to have October meltdown. Because the reason I picked the Red Sox in part was because they could throw Por- Rick Porcello – uh, Chris Sale and David Price at you, and pitching matchups to me in the postseason mean everything uh, in, in terms of success. Uh, Houston's the prohibitive favorite because they're so talented. I mean, they they they're, they're just they're just a, a juggernaut. You think that well, they're not the prohibitive favorite in this series. You, you're making them the prohibitive favorite. Uh, they're not. Well, it's not prohibitive. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll check that they're right the now. Fa- uh, maybe I just use that word too often. They're the, they're the favorite. Uh, people expect Houston to repeat now at this point, but I'm going with the Red Sox. I'll, I'll, I don't feel I'll great find about the series it. odds here in a moment. I, okay. I, I can't. I, I can't don't feel great about it. And I think they're going to play the Dodgers. Uh, you know, the Brewers have had a nice run, but I think the Dodgers are going to return to uh, the World Series, and I think the Dodgers are going to win it all. And I think Manny Machado is going to get a World Series ring, and Stan Kasten, <laughs> the president of the Dodgers and part owner is going to get a world, another World Series ring. I would like, uh, you know, going into these postseasons when you don't have a rooting interest, um, I always try to create one. I am a big Clayton Kershaw fan, as most people are. I'm yeah. actually seeing uh, Houston as a slight favorite. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm seeing right now. The, the, okay, the so Dodgers are minus the right one, word. The Dodgers are min- minus 125, so they're a slight favorite over Milwaukee. Um, and right now, actually, you know what? On my site, on one of my sites... Um, it's a pick'em for the series uh, right now. Yeah, pick, okay. Pick'em to win this to to, to win the ALCS. Well, who so, do you like? Uh, I don't. I, I, this is an area of expertise that you have. I. I I, I, I sort of sense that Fenway will be an advantage. That you should see high-scoring games in this series, don't you think, Tommy? Yeah. In in with both parks, 
Um, but I am more interested in watching Kershaw pitch one to two times in the NLCS. He was brilliant in that NLDS start that he had. Really, one yeah. of the better, I think it's his best playoff start ever. Yeah, because he's had an erratic He has history. had a very erratic, but it's been better here in recent yes, years. Yes, it has. And, you know, he, he can opt out of his contract. Not that he probably will, but he could be a free agent at the end of this year if he wants to We be. saw him last year against Houston. I'd love to see him in the World Series again and get a ring. Um, that's what I'm rooting Dodgers for here in the, the next Sox. two weeks. Uh, that would certainly be the matchup that the networks would want. Yeah. Uh, to see Milwaukee against Houston is probably no. not what Fox wants. Is it Fox doing the World Series? I think it is. No, I think it's C-SPAN. It might be C-SPAN at this by, point. By the way, the ratings are, uh, have been up compared to last year. Look, sports ratings in general have been up over the last month and a half. Well, I mean, whether it, it's football, baseball, a golf, and I mean that's the tiger effect. Right, that's the tiger effect. But you in know, part, like we've talked about this before, the the phenomenon of television right now is advertisers want to go where there's live events that people will watch and not DVR their way through the commercials. This is why they're attracted to sports, and this is why I mean this is what's killing network TV because people tape them. Or DVR them, or and 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 or and go through the commercials. I don't watch any commercials, so people aren't. Th- well, they're not going to do that if they're watching a sporting event, unless they tape it. And most people will watch sports live. That's why it's so attractive for advertisers now. All right, let's finish up the show with some coaching blunders for the week. Bad play calls, clock management gaffes, missed opportunities. It's Coach Sheehan's blunders of the week. All right, you know, there weren't a lot of them that I found. Some of you texted me or tweeted me some situations to look at, and I went back and looked at them. Can I ask you a question? I what do you burped. call What do um, you call your coach, Sheehan Minions, who who find material <laughs> for you? I mean, do you have a name for you got to come up with a name for these people that say, oh, Kevin, look, look at this one. I found one for you. I get a lot of those. Things. I know. So I you, do. You got to, you know, but you got to come up with a name I, for right, them. I'll, I'll leave that up to you. Okay, um, I'll, you know what? I'll do that. Uh, the <laughs> sometimes I'll get these and I'll go back and look at them because I haven't seen them, and I'll be like, nah. Like, t- I'll give you an example. Tim Murray texted me um, and said, "Look at what um, Justin Fuente did down thirty-one sixteen early in the fourth quarter against Notre Dame." And I actually did not. I wasn't watching that game at that point. Um, Notre Dame is pretty good now. Man, they, their fortunes have turned very quickly um, by the, with the quarterback change that they made a few weeks ago. But down 31-16, they had a fourth and seven at the Notre Dame 35. 31-16 is theoretically two scores, right? Uh, but it isn't just two scores. It's not two scores with extra points. It's also two scores with making a two-point conversion. And two-point conversions generally for most teams are are less than a 50-50 proposition. So when you are down 15 with 13-50 left in the game, I know everybody watching the game is thinking it's two possessions, it's two scores. But more times than not, it's more than two scores. You're going to have to score three times because the... You're going to have to hit the two-point play twice, and that that, your odds of doing that. No, you only have to hit it once down 15. Oh, down 15. No, yeah, down 15, you'll have to hit it, it once right. to tie it. But my point is, is that for most teams, the two-point play is a less than 50-50 proposition. So therefore, less, you know, more times than not, 
it is more than a two-score game. You've got to score three times. So my point is, with that, so many possessions left in the game, now the context of that game may have been they can't stop Notre Dame, so they need to score touchdowns, so they should go for it on fourth and seven and only think about a touchdown in this drive. Um, but if you've got the kicker from 52 yards out and you kick it and it's 31-19 with still basically the entire fourth quarter to go, I don't consider that to be an egregious coaching blunder now if it's fourth and one you know then you might as well go for it or if the you know but i i consider 31 16 with 13 50 to go i'm more or less going to think of it in terms of we probably have to score three times and one of them may need may may have to be a field goal by the way uh you mentioned fourth and one and going for it uh is going for it the the all the rage now is that growing, coaches, the, the notion of going forward on fourth down? Well, I mean, all of the people you love and I love, you know, the analytics people will tell you that that basically going for fourth down, you know, increases win probability. It doesn't decrease win probability based on certain, you know, fourth and in, in right. you know, three or less situations with certain field position. You know, just like, and, and I know this, um, and I mentioned this on Monday, and I said, why, why was Doug Peterson going for two down 20, 20 to six when it's 20 to 12? You know, kick the extra point, and then you're down seven with a chance with another score to force overtime. And several people, you know, tweeted me and said, look, the, the analytics say that your win probability is increased down 14 by going for two and making it a six-point game because the likelihood is that if you have two opportunities to go for two, that worst case is you're going to get one, miss one, in sort of a 50-50 two-point world. So that gets you your tie anyway. And the chances potentially of winning the game outweigh the risk of missing both of them and losing them. I, I Again, I understand the math on that. I also understand context. First of all, I did not realize that the Eagles apparently were a, a 60% two-point conversion team at this point. Um, so if you are really successful in two-point conversions, you know, the math changes. If you're not higher than you know, 47 48%, I forget exactly what the number is, then that is a bad strategy. If you're lower than 47%, it's a bad strategy. You will Your win probability is actually decreased. I will just say this, though. Context is everything. Philadelphia was having a difficult time moving the football in that game, scoring, uh, converting, you know, three, two and three yard plays, you know, in, in, in that situation. So I felt like their chances on making the two point conversion in context weren't, you know, they were not at 50 percent or better or 48 okay. percent or better. Now, he made it. You know, they, they did make it, and then they couldn't get the stop, and Minnesota, in a big drive, drove it down the field, got the field goal, which ended up essentially clinching the game. So I did want to point out that I do know the math. I'm not a big, pure numbers guy when it comes to this thing, and in football in particular, there's just a ton of context that has to be considered. Um, I do know, though, that two-point conversion plays are on the rise in terms of their percent of success. Yes. You know, at least for now. Um, there was uh, – there was okay, so there was one coaching blunder of sorts and one that I've already talked about this week, but I'll mention briefly here. I did not think Jason Garrett made the mistake punting in overtime. I mentioned that yesterday. 
Um, Jason Garrett doubled down on that, even though Jerry Jones criticized him to a certain degree, saying that they should have been more aggressive in that spot. Again, context is everything. If you were watching that game, uh, they weren't going to make fourth and two. And it was closer to fourth and two than it was fourth and one. It was nearly two. Um, Houston's defense was dominating Dallas. And Dallas, more likely than not, I think in that fourth and two situation, had a one in three shot of converting, which means I'm throwing that out. That's an arbitrary number. It's just my my my, my hunch in the moment okay. was punt it. You're not going to make fourth and two. Pin them deep. Your defense is playing well. You'll get it back in good field position with a chance to end the game on a field goal because you need a touchdown now to end the game anyway. So anyway, to make a long story short, on that particular perceived coaching blunder I did not think it was a blunder I thought Jason Garrett made the right call even though they didn't get the stop and Houston ended up winning the game all right there was one specific sort of you know borderline coaching blunder I'll mention it Kentucky's playing Texas A&M uh, in, in an SEC game 14-14 late in regulation a game in which both teams are struggling to score struggling to move the football struggling to throw the football Kentucky's got a third and 11 with the clock rolling at the end of regulation from their own 37-yard line. They called a timeout with 13 seconds left. Now, a lot of you tweeted, this was another one of all my... Oh, your minions. I don't like calling them minions. That's a condescending term. Okay. I, I want to come up with something positive. Okay, well, let's Think work on that. Think in terms of, of coaching blunder negative, but those that are following this segment and help me out with it, it's positive. Okay, I will. Okay. We'll come up with something. Uh, and we're open to suggestions. I'm open to suggestions. Um, but I usually, you are good at coming up with labels for things. You label a lot of things. Um, that third and 11, they call the timeout, and then they chose to throw the ball there in that spot. First of all, they called the timeout with 13 seconds left. Uh, and essentially, that meant that they had to get a big chunk play on that play to even get close to field goal range. The quarterback dropped back. He had already been sacked on two of the three previous plays, so there was a lot of momentum for AM. Quarterback drops back. He gets sacked again and fumbles. Now, Kentucky recovered the fumble. They Kentucky, the, the offense recovered the fumble, but they were really potentially then looking at if they lost the ball, AM was already in yeah. field goal range to win the game. Now, AM, A&M won that game in overtime 20 to 14. For a lot of you, that pushed. A&M was around a six-point favorite. Uh, and by the way, Tommy, A&M's a six-point favorite. Not everybody had it at six. Some had it at six and a half, somewhere around there. But if you had it at six and you had the second possession in overtime in a tie game, all you need is a field goal. Usually you'll just you know run one place. In the f- they just kept running it. They didn't trust their field goal kicker. They scored a touchdown. So you got a push if you had A&M laying the number. And if you had Kentucky, that was a painful push. Um, I wanted I wanted to just mention this. Uh, we're off coaching blunders. You can okay, but dive can I, the music. Can I bring something up? Sure. Uh, and I don't know if this this in the big scheme of things, it wasn't really a coaching blunder. And I may be missing something that's very obvious. Rick Jacklich? No, no, not that guy. <laughs> no. Not that guy. That that's a human blunder, not a coaching blunder. Wow. It's a human being blunder. Wow. There, uh, but. Uh, when when the Redskins had fourth down and they punted early in the game, and there was a running into the kicker uh, penalty, uh, and it was five yards. It wasn't roughing the kicker. It was running into the kicker, which instead of fourth and seven, it made it fourth and two. Now, New Orleans had, had gotten the ball on the 37-yard line. Very good field position. 
Okay. Why doesn't Jay Gruden should have punted it again? Yeah, punt it again to 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 maybe get bet less field position you're, for the Saints. You know what? God damn you, you're good. <laughs> because I made that note. I didn't mention it yesterday. I forgot to mention it today, and you are one hundred percent correct. It was not a good punt. Uh, he had the opportunity to punt it again. By the way, five yards upfield. Yes. I thought that what I mentioned about that play yesterday on the show is I really thought it was roughing the punter. I actually it, thought it, that should have been. A 15, been. I thought that should have been a fifteen-yard penalty. It could have been, but to not to just say yes, to wave it off. No, you're and right. Give him the ball on the thirty-seven. I don't understand that. You are a. You are <laughs> absolutely one hundred percent right. I didn't right. discover plutonium, and, Kevin, and, and and that was that's a coaching blunder, and I should have had that one. Good job. <laughs> I have a really interesting. Um, I guess it's a stat. Alabama is so good that they have not punted for the last two games at all. Their punter has not punted one time in their last two games. Wow. You know, we may be watching, although Alabama defensively, you know, they gave up 31 to Arkansas, Aaron, on Saturday. You know, the the Bama didn't cover in that game, I don't think. I don't think they covered. They may have. I don't know what the number was, actually, now that I think about it. Because they won 65. Was it 65 to 31 was the final score of that game? Something like that. Some people are suggesting that Bama's defense may have a few issues. But offensively, we have not seen a better Alabama team in recent years, as good as they've been. Here's a great stat. You want a great stat from that. Uh, The quarterback, Tua. Uh, 20 total touchdowns, 18 passing, two rushing. 25 incompletions. I know. It's ridiculous. The ball never hits the ground when they throw it's it. It's almost Drew Brees-esque from the other night. Drew Brees' 29 passes only hit the ground three times. <laughs> three times it hit the ground. Um, that is, it, it, Alabama's got the best schedule, too, in the SEC, with the exception of having to go to Baton Rouge. You know, And then you'll get an SEC title game, potentially against Georgia, although I think Florida's got a chance to potentially run the table and be in that SEC title game uh, as well. Can I give you another Alabama stat? Please. According to the United Nations, Alabama has the worst poverty in the world in any developed nation. I just might want to point that out. (laughs) Although Birmingham, you've been, right? It's not a terrible city. Uh, It's been about... 20 years since I've been there, but it's it literally one of the poorest places uh, in North America. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um, I want to tell you about launch workplaces. If you live in Bethesda, Chevy Chase, Upper Northwest DC, and you don't want a long commute and you're working from home right now, but it's too noisy and you want to get out of your home, check out launch workplaces in Bethesda. They have flexible and affordable private office solutions so you can get work done. It's a beautiful new space, provides fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks with high-speed internet, complimentary drinks, a cafe, free parking, 24-7 access. You can find out more uh, by going to launchworkplaces.com. If you call today at 240-800-6714, that's 240-800-6714, you'll get a free two-day trial. Uh, But you can find out more also at launchworkplaces.com. Uh, man, we talked a lot today about a lot of things. What will we possibly come up with tomorrow? I'll tell you what, we did this for a long time. We'll have a lot tomorrow. We'll have a hell of a lot tomorrow. 
Uh, what else you got? You got anything else, or you want to uh, save it for tomorrow? The Caps uh, Vegas Vegas rematch, rematch tonight. tonight. Yeah, the Stanley Cup rematch. Definitely want to talk about that tomorrow. And let me tell you something: if the, if the Caps lose tonight, then they've lost the Stanley Cup for 2019. <laughs> they, they've blown the Stanley. Cup I don't know. For They're going to go ahead and play those other 79 <laughs> games anyway. Thanks to Aaron. Thanks to Charlie Casserly who joined us today. Tommy, thanks as always. We're back tomorrow. Uh, tell all of your friends about this podcast uh, if they don't know that we're doing this. Uh, you can get it if they don't know what a podcast is. Just tell them to go to the website, thekevinsheanshow.com.